0: Thanks, Ross, and thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship. And uh, uh, and again, that day in March, uh, Dale was. Preparing to have that video shown, and and I was actually asked to preach that day, uh, and and Bobby as well. We were going to share a message that day, and we were going to be preaching on stewardship uh, as we uh, we're, were looking forward to the uh, uh, to kicking off this campaign. Uh, before I share the message, I just want to just briefly share with you uh, why uh, Jan and I are supporting uh, this this ministry uh, through the Faith Campaign. Uh, uh, a lot of hadn't changed. We we've been here 18 years. We were here. Uh, when they, uh, event, some of you were too, and as we began to, to dream about building a children's building, uh, and uh, that's, uh, uh, that was a dream that came true. I can't imagine what it would be like without that building uh, over there now, just space-wise. Practically, here's some, just a couple reasons why we support it. Again, the practical reason is we didn't have any space. We were sitting on top of each other, uh, trying to do Sunday school. Uh, we, uh, you know, the, where our offices are now was where the kids met. Uh, it was. Our college students were down in the gym, having to set up and tear down every Sunday. It was just a lot of stuff going on, and uh, but we uh, we needed that building, and we prayed about it. So the, again, this this will be our third campaign. We committed to support that first one, and then the second one as it continued uh, to grow. We finished that youth building uh, upstairs, uh, or partially finished. And, and now it uh, looks really nice if you've been up now it was where the college meets. So uh, a lot of good things going on uh, with that. The second reason we wanted to commit to it is, uh, is just to make a difference and reach our children and our students for Christ. Uh, you know, uh, the world we live in, uh, it's, we have to have s- uh, some strong support for our children's ministry and for our, our uh, youth ministry. You know, we're, uh, I don't know if you've heard this said, but I fully believe this. You know, our, our nation right now is, is, is getting more and more ungodly each and every day. Uh, if you look around, there's, there's things that are happening. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of truth, the fact that we are only one generation to become a a godless uh, nation if we're not careful. So as churches, it's really up to us to make a difference in these children's lives as we teach them about Jesus so they can, uh, again, carry on the gospel uh, through generations following. And then a third, we, as Dale mentioned, we do need money. Uh, Freeing up $216,000 a year uh, is incredible. But here's our prayer. This not for us. We don't want that money for us. We want that money so that we can continue to make a difference around the world. Uh, and uh, just uh, the you know our church has been faithful over the years to to spread the gospel uh, in other nations, uh, in in the United States, and also uh, here locally. And, and just to to briefly mention that, speaking of those ministry opportunities, Bobby and I just got back Friday night from Las Vegas. Uh, we didn't play slots, and we didn't do a keynote or any of those things. We uh, uh, we were uh, there meeting with a couple of church planners and also uh, a few were here a few weeks ago. Scott Dawson was here, and he shared about his ministry. Uh, the Strength to Stand uh, uh, ministry is going to be doing a, a mission effort out there this summer, and so we went to preview that to make sure it's something that we'd like to join in with. We also met with some church planners who are out there who... Uh, who need help, and, uh, and it was pretty incredible what we saw in, in Vegas. You know, they they're trying to minister not to the people on the Strip. Of course, there's always opportunities there to do witnessing, but their ministry is to the people that live in Vegas. Uh, the neighborhoods and I don't know if you know much about Vegas uh I, I you know I've been there once in the past and uh, uh of course we spend all our time on walking the strip and eating the, the food and being amazed at all the stuff we saw uh but uh the, their ministries to the people who who work there who live there and that's their home and Las Vegas is right now the fourth largest growing metroplex in the United States uh People are flocking to, to Las Vegas. And these uh, church planters uh, are pretty much out there on their own trying to spread the gospel uh, uh, And because Las Vegas is 95% unchurched. Uh, they're predicted that 92% of those are unchurched are not believers, but they believe that number's creeping up closer to the 95% who are not involved in church. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. We've also, if you've been a part of our church in the past, you know, we are part of the Send City uh, network from the North American Mission Board, and that's Send, S-E-N-D, not Sin, even though there's a lot of sin in those cities. But we've worked in uh, uh, various places, started with Miami, been to Chicago. Uh, We worked uh, in Phoenix. I know some of y'all went on that trip recently that we've been. Uh, We went to Toronto, which is uh, 97% unchurched. uh, a lot of lot of opportunities, and if we can free up that money, that, uh, that that means we can do more to try to help spread the gospel around the world. We also, again, if you see in your insert, we try to do local ministry as well. We work with the uh, uh, the the Women's Hope. We uh, we do things uh, with the Hosanna Home. We do things with uh, the new women the shelter that's being. Uh, hopefully completed this year. COVID has kind of slowed that down. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of other things that we try to do here locally that, that spread the gospel. So, uh, so we j- can you imagine what it would be like to have that extra $216,000 every year for us to not spend on ourselves? but to spend sharing the gospel with people. And that's why, we, that's why we're excited about this campaign, uh, which I think brings us to the message today because <clears throat> I'm not going to be talking about stewardship. Uh, that was back in March. Uh, a lot of things have happened with March. Uh, 2020 happened. Uh, and we all know there's been a different world and it's the different things that are happening uh, around. So, you know, what a year it's been. Uh, you know there's been all sorts of things with the, the virus and then there's been the riots and there's been violence and injustice and racism and indecency and, and I mean the list just goes on and on and on uh, about the world that we're living in today and I think Paul addressed it uh, to, uh, in the book of Titus in a way that I think that we can look at today and see how we need to, to live and what we need to be about as, as believers. So if you want to follow along we're going to be in Titus chapter three, uh, verses one through nine. Uh, and <clears throat> excuse me, and we'll be, uh, be reading that, and then uh, we'll, we'll move forward with the message that I believe God has just placed on, on my heart to share today. Uh, uh, Paul basically uh, was writing to Titus, uh, who was a pastor, trying to work in a, a society that was pretty much a godless society, but he was talking to the people of God whose lives have been transformed. And this is uh, what he says in chapter 3, beginning with the first one. It says, "...remind the people to be subject uh, to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle toward everyone. At one time we, were too, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures." We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. You know... As I look at the world we live in and I read about what Paul uh, dealt with in in his ministry, there's so many times, there's so so many comparisons to, uh, I think, to to some of the ungodliness that was happening back during his time and how the United States has become. Uh, Paul was trying to, to communicate to believers about how they should live in a, in a world and in a society that, that didn't quite believe like they did. And these were people who had dramatically had the their change in their lives. And who can better talk about a dramatic change in your life than, than Paul, who was transformed of, by the power of God through the Holy Spirit and, and his belief in Jesus Christ. And you know it was an amazing transformation uh, uh, that Jesus brought to Paul. And it's an amazing transformation, I think, for us as believers that Jesus did to us. And he called on Titus to remind the people of Crete where they had previously been. They had been changed by the power of God. Uh, It seems like Jesus uh, had changed all their lives so much, but they needed to be reminded that they had responsibilities. And I think for us as believers, we need to be reminded of that as well. Uh, In verse 1, as as Paul said, uh, he said to remind the people to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, whatever is good. Uh, And I think because of who we are in Christ, you know, and what God did for us, we need to remember that we need to do good in the world that we live in. Uh, There's a change in each one of our lives as believers that only comes through Jesus Christ. But you may be one of those who are, uh, are not a follower of Christ, and you may be looking for a change. Maybe you're even looking for new life. That's possible. It's possible because of God's love, His salvation, His mercy, His grace, and because of His Son, His Son Jesus. Uh, Paul continued uh, as he talked in verse 3 and 4. He says, At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. You know, he painted a picture of what it was like before Christ. And I think in, in a lot of our lives, there are different levels about how we lived before, before Christ, but we were all transformed as believers dramatically by the love of Jesus Christ. He described uh, uh, very clearly how nonbelievers lived. They were foolish. Uh, the definition of foolish is uh, to means to be ignorant concerning the things of God. Uh, and he wanted the people to realize that they were ignorant before Christ, and now they they know Jesus. They know the truth. And and you need to to not live a life of ignorance. Don't be foolish. Uh, he said you're disobedient, rebellious toward God. I, and I don't know about you, but you know, I, I, I had a lot of times in my life that I was a rebellious person. I, I just have that natural rebel in me, and sometimes I just don't want to do what someone asks me to do. Uh, and it's hard sometimes, uh, even as a believer. But as a non-believer, it's so much easier to be a rebel. Uh, and Paul was saying, remember, don't be disobedient. This is what God wants you to do. Live the way God calls you to live. Uh, and so it's, it's important for us as believers to understand that and live the lives that we need to live. He said, don't be deceived. Uh, that's basically continually being led deeper and deeper into sin by Satan. You know, we, you know one of the things we talked about with uh, the pastors this week was how easy it is for people to move out to Las Vegas and to be deceived. There's so much the world throws at them. Uh, they talked about how many pastors don't last out there because they move out there thinking that they're going to change the world, and the world changes them. Uh, it's important for us to to understand and to live on, by biblical truth, to do the things that God wants us to do, to not let Satan, who's cunning, uh, change how we live and change what we believe. Uh, the Bible makes it the way we should house we should live very clear, and we need to be grounded in in God's word. He continues and said, don't be enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Uh, and when you read that, I know, like, when I first started talking, thinking about this, my first thought was, went to where I was when I was preparing this in Las Vegas. But then I began to think, you know what, there's a lot of people who are consumed by their passions and pleasures in Auburn, Alabama, too. It's not just in Las Vegas and Phoenix and Miami and all those places. It's right here. So we don't need to be enslaved by that. We need to live a life godly the way God wants us to live. He continues to say, don't live in malice. And that, refer, that refers to a lifestyle of evil. Uh, uh, we, don't, we need to, to push Satan aside. The Bible tells us that if we resist Satan, he'll flee from us. So we need to make sure that, that we live again in biblical truth. One thing I struggle with sometimes is what he says next is envy. Always grasping for more. Uh, desiring what others have. And I think that's kind of one of our natures in the, uh, in, the, in the United States today. We see the success people have, and we see people uh, live in a certain way, and we have that en- we're have envy of them. Uh, we need to make sure that, that we don't get to the point to where our lives are controlled by envy and desiring things that God doesn't want us to have. Uh, one of the things that, that we were really impressed with with these two church planners that we talked to, pastors that were there in, in Phoenix. Both of them left big uh, successful ministries here in the south, one in Mississippi and one in Tennessee, to to basically give it up and move out there. And, and they got uh, out there and they had to sacrifice. They had to to give up things because they were, you know, they had to raise support. They had to do things that they normally hadn't do because they were successful where they were. And God called them somewhere where they had to struggle. And so be in prayer for those guys who do that. Uh we don't need to be envious of others. We need to be careful that, that we don't look at the things of the world and, and get consumed with that, but we get consumed with the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, he goes on to say, Don't be hateful uh, or don't hate one another. You know, don't be mean-spirited. Don't be hard to get along with. Don't walk uh, around this world without love for your fellow man. You know, it breaks my heart uh, when I was doing college ministry and uh, we did some things downtown with uh, the BCM and we fed some you know, some students breakfast after they would leave the bars at night and uh, and it was uh, some eye-opening conversations you have with students and over and over and over we heard from, from students about how the church was rude to them. The church members were hateful. The church hurt them. Uh, and, you know, no one should ever feel it's like those of us who are part of God's church are hateful or hurting we need, we need to be loving and caring and kind uh, that's so important we, you know, we, we need to look around this world that we live in and see all the stuff that's happened and there's a lot of ungodliness you know, again there's as I mentioned there's the riots, there's the injustice, there's the racism, there's all those different things that, that we need to despise but not despise the people, we need to love the people uh, uh, even if we don't agree with them uh, we need to love them. Even if we're not going to vote the same way with somebody, we need to love them. We need to get to the point to where as believers that we can show the love of Jesus when we live our lives each and every day because that's who we are. We have Jesus in us. And the only way this world is going to see uh, Christ is if we show it to Him by the way we treat them and by the way we act and the things that we say. Uh, so I don't know about you, but uh, that just describes a person that would be hard to love. He, he had all those characteristics in their life. But we're still supposed to love them. Uh, you know, the Bible says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads people to repentance. That's what it says in Romans. And he says here in verse 4, it's the kindness and love our God that uh, and that, that our Savior has He appeared that, that changes people's hearts. Uh, so in spite of who you are, who I am, and what we've done, we got to understand that God loves us. God loves you. He loves me. He loves the world. Uh, and He wants us to be transformed and changed. In spite of all that we've done, He sent Jesus to make a way for us, to be with Him forever. Uh, in Romans 5.8, the Bible says, God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, What a wonderful message to know that we have Jesus who died for us. Uh, And this is all possible for one thing and one thing only. It's because God loved us. Scripture tells us that. Uh, So as we look uh, through this passage and see that our new life that we have, it's possible for a few things. First of all, because of the salvation that God offers us to us. In in verse 5 it says, He saved us not because of righteous things we've done, but because of His mercy. He saved us by the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us. Uh, You know, salvation is rescue from harm, destruction, or danger. That's what God did for us spiritually. He's rescued us as believers from harm, destruction, or danger. But He did that through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. That was a great penalty for my sin. That was a great penalty for your sin. That God sent Jesus to pay the debt for my sin and your sin, so that so, in order that He may save us, we were destined for hell, and Jesus came to give us an opportunity uh, to be with Him in heaven forever. So, notice in verse 5 and 6 uh, what Christ did for us. Uh, first of all, it says, We were lost, and He saved us. Uh, have you ever been lost? I mean, literally f- lost in the woods maybe or somewhere driving and you make a wrong turn and you get lost. It's a little bit helpless feeling, isn't it? Uh, uh, isn't it awesome to know that spiritually when you're lost you know, and feeling helpless, there's somebody to give you directions? Uh, Jesus is there to help us uh, to be found. Uh, we were defiled. Uh, it says he washes us. He cleanses us from from the sin that we have. He cleanses us from all the unrighteousness that that we have in our life. Uh, We were dead. uh, And it says He brought us back to life. Uh, He made the way for us to be alive again. Uh, We were empty. And He filled us with His Holy Spirit. He renewed us. Uh, You know, everything that we receive in salvation comes from God's sacrifice in His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, In verse 6, where he he says, "...whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior." God gave us us a relationship through Jesus generously. Uh, You know, if you've not been saved, I want you to know that Jesus went to the cross for you. If you have been saved, Jesus went to the cross for you as well. Uh, That's where we get our new life. That's where salvation starts. There's certain elements of salvation that make this possible. Uh, a new life is possible for one thing for because of God's mercy it says here God's mercy uh, you know because of God's mercy we don't receive the punishment we deserve each and every person here deserves nothing but punishment eternally because of our actions but because of God uh, because of Jesus he changed that in our lives we're saved we've been delivered from the punishment uh, we've been, been delivered through condemnation uh, the reason is possible. It's found in verse 5. Uh, if you've never been saved, you're headed for eternity uh, away from God. Uh, if you're trying to get to heaven based on the fact that you think you're a good person and you're doing good things, it's not good enough. Uh, the verse proves that you will never qualify uh, for salvation. You can't get to heaven on your own. God is merciful, though. And he's provided a way for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. His mercy is available to you today, as it was uh, to those of us who are believers. Uh, and, and consider that in verse seven, he continues and says that by having been justified by His grace, we may become heirs having the hope of eternal life. You know, mercy's not receiving what we deserve, but grace is receiving something that we never deserved. Uh, it's God's grace. Uh, that, that gives, provides for us so many different things. It's the unmerited favor of God. Your works will never be enough. Uh, but His grace is more f- sufficient than anything you need. Uh, because of God's grace, the Bible says we've been justified. He pardons all of our sins. He separates them as far as the east is from the west. Uh, he is- initiates a personal relationship with us. He walks with us intimately. Uh, he cares for you cares for me immensely, and he blesses us immeasurably. It's so important for us to understand that relationship with God. Uh, that's what he wants. Uh, he wants us to, to be in tune with him. He wants us to be living the life that, that we live. Uh, and it's possible because of Jesus Christ, which uh, it says he shed it, uh, his love on us abundantly because of Jesus Christ. And and again, I know we all, if if you've raised in the church and you've been in the South especially, uh, you know, Jesus left the home of glory. He came to this earth. He took on flesh. He he lived a life. He gave the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Everything He did was for you and for me. Uh, God sent His only Son to be born of a virgin. Uh, He lived a sinless life. He taught with authority. healed the sick. He did all the things that we read about in Scripture. He cleansed people. Uh, but his ultimate purpose on here was provide salvation for you and for me. Uh, and because of that, he laid down his life. He died for us. Uh, and so as believers, he's forgiven our sins. He's saved our souls. He's changed our lives. And he's provided eternal life. And, it, you know, and he's gone to prepare a place for us. And soon he'll come back. You know, there are people saying, oh, this is 2020. He's going to come back because of what's going on right now. Uh, Could. May not. But until he does, we have a job to do. Our job is to continue to spread the love of Jesus through our actions and our words and our hands and feet and do the things we do uh, to honor him and to glorify him but also to reach people for him. He He came to make a way for us to experience God's love and mercy. Uh, you know, some of you may be trying to clean yourself up before you give yourself over to, to Jesus. I've heard that for years. I'm going to try to make myself right. I've got to fix this problem first, and then I'll do it. You know, that's one of the things we talked about with the, the church planters. That's something they deal with on a daily basis. Uh, with people who are saying, you know, I, I, I can't follow Christ now. I've got all this junk in my life. Let me get it straightened out first. It doesn't work that way. God wants us to give ourselves to Him, and then He'll help us straighten out our junk. Uh, you know, uh, there's a story I, I, that I read is kind of fitting for me right now. It's about a, a, a London businessman who had a building for sale, and the building was in disrepair. It had smashed windows, it had trash all around, the doors were damaged, and he showed the buyer the property, and he uh, and, and he he told the guy that he would do anything he could to correct the problems with the property before he bought it, and. And the, the gentleman who was looking to buy it said uh, to him, forget about the repairs. When I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I don't want the building. I want the site. Uh, you know, uh, when, I, when I read that, it kind of brought to mind something. A lot of you, a lot of you probably know. Some of you probably don't know. Uh, uh, we, we sold our house after 18 years. Uh, last night was the first night we spent the night away from our house uh, as As no longer homeowners of that house uh it 's kind of strange feeling you know we had a lot of things happen in the house over the last eighteen years uh, a lot of students in and out, a lot of ministry happening uh, lot just uh, lots of good memories you know raised three kids uh in that house, and uh somebody else is buying it, but you know what they 're going to do they 're going to gut it uh, they 're going to just tear it all out and you know, all the stuff that we did eight, for 18 years, they don't care about that kind of stuff. They wanted the location and they wanted the space so that they could turn it into what they want to do. And when I read that, it kind of reminded me of, of kind of this, this story. This marks who we are. The renovation that they're doing in the house it's kind of reminds me of the re- renovation that God had for me and He has for you. You know, his effort, you know, my efforts to improve everything doesn't matter. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's trivial when you think about uh, re- renovating a house compared to God renovating somebody's life. Uh, and, and he doesn't, he just wants the sight. He wants you to give yourself to him so that he could go in and he can redo everything inside so that you can become the person that God wants you to be. Uh, You could be that remodeled believer who has those opportunities to serve Christ because the Bible tells us that He makes all things new. All He wants is your life so that you can make a difference. So today marks the beginning. It was supposed to be the beginning in March for this campaign about raising finances, but this is more important than that. This This is... the beginning of a new life for you if you don't know Jesus. And all you got to do is just trust in Him and give yourself over to Him and say, God, remodel me from the inside so I can become that person you want to be. These things are possible because of God's love for you, His salvation that He offers. The mercy, grace, and ultimately because Jesus. Because you know the answer? You know the answer to covid jesus the answer to the riots is jesus the answer to the election that's coming up is jesus uh we sometimes forget that we need to be all about jesus 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 because that's what the world needs to hear when we go this next summer for some of you that go to phoenix you need to go for one reason i mean to phoenix to las vegas you need to go for one reason to tell somebody about Jesus when you're on campus you need to tell people about Jesus uh, when we have things here at the church it needs to be about Jesus When well, we have our, our day of service next week it's not about building a building it's not about painting it's not about doing supplies together it's about Jesus so let me just encourage you make your life all about Jesus put all the other things aside and focus on Jesus and I'm not promise you that everything will be just wonderful in your life. The Bible did not tell us that. But what will, what will be wonderful will be your relationship with God. Uh, and others can see it, and they begin to follow the light that you have in your life. So be the light, the hands, and feet of Jesus as you live your life every day. But I also know some of you that are here, you may not have a clue what I'm talking about. Uh, Jesus may not be anything that you've ever followed. You know, he may not be the the He may not have offered you salvation, or he's offered you salvation. Even you may not have accepted it. You have the opportunity here to do that today. Uh, uh, you know, we we started last week back with altar calls. Uh, you don't have to walk to the altar to get saved, but if you want to talk to somebody, we'll be here uh, to talk to you about salvation and about how you can be remodeled from the inside out. Uh, And you may need to come and pray to ask God to help me be a person that's kind and considerate and loving and caring because I am the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, And I know people that need to be changed. And I can be the person to kind of help point them toward Christ. So there's a lot of opportunities for you uh, today. Uh, You can pray where you are in your seat. You can go online, uh, fill out a commitment card. You can do whatever you need to do. But today's... Uh, As we come together and and we sing and we pray, uh, I just want to challenge you on this. Uh, Make sure you focus on Jesus, on everything you do, uh, and he will transform your life. Let's pray together. Father God, we uh, come to you today. Lord, just thanking you and praising you because of who you are. We thank you for the the salvation you offer to us as believers. But Father, also in a, a group that's here today, Father, I know there may be someone who who doesn't have you in their life. And I pray, Lord, that you will work uh, through your Holy Spirit uh, and let them know how much you love them and how much you care and how much they need you. Uh, Father, be with us as a church, that, that our focus will, will continue to be on spreading the love of Christ in everything that we do. Help us to be transformed as an individual, but also transformed as a church, to be serving you with our whole heart. We love you and we praise you. And we give this over to you in your name.